get your mics on, you got your flams out. I got my flams out. I got my gym jams. I got my flimmy flams. My bloggly higgles. Put your bloggly higgles back in your blants. Scotch Hey everybody, welcome to Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast for Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the web programmer. And I'm Sam and I make pictures. And before we get started, we have a warning or disclaimer or whatever. Uh, Anything can happen on this show. Things get rambunctious. There may be profanity, innuendos, euphemisms, uh, verbs, nouns, language of all sorts. Persons, places, and things. Yeah. Uh, We might even sprinkle some adjectives in there. Mm -hmm. So if you're sensitive, if you are prude... If you're Those are all adjectives, Seth. That's great. Easily offended. Yeah. Um, then that's your problem. And stop listening. Listening. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, first up on the news docket. We have a docket now, by the way. That's the first news item. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're very uh, official right now. It's golden crusted. Well, it, yeah. Uh, Sam doesn't have cancer anymore. Yeah. yeah. We kind of left you guys hanging last Wednesday before I uh, was heading into treatment. And if you didn't see the good news, we posted about it, yelled about it a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, I don't have the cancers. So congrats. Any, any cancers. Yeah. Nice yeah. work, Sam. <laughs> um, do you want to, do we have any, uh, any special insight or details on how that well, went down? Yes. Yeah, so went in and got the PET scan done and, uh, they, the tech actually let me come back and look at it before it went up, which they usually, like they're not supposed to do. Um, cause usually shoot. it's bad. You yeah. mean, you mean Sam, scan. she didn't let you do it, but we're going to talk hypothetically as if we, she If did. she did do it, <laughs> then I would have gone back there and seen, I got to, you, I would have gotten to look at a 3D image of my body. Where um, you wouldn't have seen anything. Where I, I, you know, I wouldn't have seen anything, but also I don't know, you know, exactly what I'm looking for. So it was this sort of goofy situation where I was, I was looking at it and I was like, okay, I don't see any, a bright, bright white light is what you don't want to see. Right. So. I was looking through this thing, and I was like, just just creeping on it. And there always is some, because you it still measures just general cellular activity. Uh, so there's always going to be some. So I was looking, but I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I know where it would be if it was going to be anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I know that there shouldn't be anything there at all, which is sort of in my left chest wall. So I had her. Usually sort of, a pretty light activity area. Yeah. There's usually nothing going on there unless you, you just know. got some lungs there. Yeah. So yeah. I had her sort of scroll back and over that like for 15 seconds. Which I'm sure she was like, what? Um, and there was nothing there. So then we went upstairs, uh, got the news, the official news from the doctor, which is very exciting. Had a brief moment where I got very teary-eyed, but it only, it literally was like a half a second where it was just like, and then it was done. Um, it just kind of shot out of my face. It briefly. was like a, <laughs> it was like like a shotgun. Walled. It was a shotgun of tears. Yeah, I was, I just blinked it back. Like, you, you won't, you wouldn't be able to tell. Um, we actually got video of the whole thing too from, from the Forever and Astronaut crew for the documentary. So that should be really fun to, uh, to be able to look back well, on. Well, here's, here's the great part about the video stuff. So, so our buddy <laughs> Dylan from Forever and Astronaut was there with his camera. He was capturing all, all of Sam's appointments. So he was there for the PET scan and everything. It's like five hours of stuff. It's like five hours. Uh, and he's recording this digitally with his camera. And the uncompressed video was was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gigabytes. And by the time we got to the actual appointment where the doc was going to come in and, you know, reveal whether or not the cancer was still present, which it wasn't, uh, 
But at that point, Dylan only had four minutes of video. (laughs) And so he was like, okay, so here's the deal. And he's like frantically trying to swap out hard, you know, SDDs into his camera and stuff. And he's like, okay, so I don't mean to rush anything. I know this is important. So I'm going to put it out there that I only have four minutes of video. So that's funny. It's, it's trying to important is going to happen. It should probably it happen within four minutes. <laughs> Did so, it happen? Really Did funny. it manage to go within the four yeah, minute mark? I believe we got it in. So nice. it was pretty funny. It did. But, yeah. Um, and and when, whenever there's good news like that, you know, the doctor usually likes to lead with it. Like if you have a doctor's appointment and the doctor just comes in and makes small talk for 20 minutes, shit's about to go down. Yeah. So uh, yeah, she came, I mean, she came in and, and I, I, preemptively just asked her how my blood work was because I needed to I think I needed a little little warm up, a little doom warm up before the actual announcement started. So so I talked about that for like a minute. Um and everything was cool. But the, so someone was asking me, you know, what's sort of what's the what's it looking like going, you know, from here on out. Cause yeah, what does this mean? So we're in we're in remission now. And basically what that means is um a few things. One, for my sort of cancer, if it doesn't show up within the first year, so we're at about uh we're at about, I guess, three months from the final treatment. So if it doesn't show up within a year, three of months the final from the stem cell, right? Uh, you're right. six months out from your final chemo. Correct. Yeah. Um, but so they they count kind of the the final actual treatment, which in this case is the stem cell one. Okay. Um, if we we make it to a year full remission, then with the sort of cancer that I had, which is this extremely aggressive uh, lymphoma, then once once the year mark has passed, we should be in the clear. But they don't. They won't call you uh, cured until five years. So that's going to be who knows where. I mean, who knows? Well, where with how fast going. growing uh, your particular brand of cancer was. Yeah, I should have. If, if it sits there for three years and then comes back, that'd be super weird. Yeah, and that's uh, sort of what. That's part of the reason why uh, I was I was very pleased with this. And I had gotten a PET scan back uh, in about four months ago between the, the two transplants. And uh, there wasn't any what there was didn't appear to be any cancer activity on it. There was some glowing that they didn't they thought was a pulled muscle in the back. Um, but there wasn't any of what they thought cancer activity was. But that wasn't particularly compelling to me because it had only been a month since I'd gotten a huge blast of chemo. Um, so now that we're, you know, basically where we are now is about seven months out from my last chemo operation, which is about the same time when I would have been able to be diagnosed with a PET scan after the first one. So in other words, to me, this is that's why I was so excited about it. And this is so actually, you've gone much further. This is a this real, time. yeah. To me, this is a very real clear, as opposed to uh, sort of a you know maybe a false positive. So, <gasps> yeah, thank God. So we're good. We're good team. Uh, but yeah, someone's asking kind Jesus. of what what does this look like then? Because uh, the treatment's not done technically, because I'm still on all these drugs for various things. So I'm just taking a bunch of pills and going to hospital every two weeks, get checked out, and um, I get another PET scan in six months. So. Hopefully we won't have to talk about anything cancer related until next year, which would be great. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? No matter what happens either way, Crashlands is coming out on January 21st. January 21st. So we we just it just kind of worked out weirdly that uh the within 24 hours of Sam getting his all clear from the doctor, we also settled on a launch date for Crashlands. Um, which is a nice sort of bookend because we started Crashlands because of the first cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll be wrapping up the cancer and the Crashlands right at about the same time. Oh, so very cathartic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then then we can do whatever we want, like 
scream and run around and panic as our game hits the public and everybody starts tearing into it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah. So if you if you want to get in on the Crashlands action, we have uh, on our Butterscotch Shenanigans Facebook page, we have a launch event which you can join to chat with people and also to get notifications there. We have uh, we have a coming soon page on Steam. So if you just search for Crashlands on Steam. You can add Crashlands to your wish list, and you totally should because it'll it'll alert you when it finally uh, launches. Uh, we also have at Crashlands.net, we have a launch day email sign up, so you can get notified that way if you want. We have wallpapers. We just revealed a sweet new Crashlands launch poster, which we're super proud of because no studios ever really do this. I don't know. It's more of a movie thing. Yeah. So we took a we took a st- some inspiration from Star Wars for this one, which you should be able to tell if you look at it. A lot yeah. of inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> Indie Game Mag picked up on it. What what I particularly like is that uh, in the same sort of fashion that the Millennium Falcon is flying away in the uh, in the new Star Wars poster, we have the flop rocket flying away from, <laughs> from a bunch of lasers, which a far less majestic of a spacecraft. Yeah. But well, the Millennium uh, Falcon is actually not. Like it's majestic because of you know its place in it's because in it history from the Kessel Run in twelve parsecs exactly, mm-hmm. but it's actually you know it's a kind of a weird looking vehicle. It is. I bet it. I bet it couldn't get to space in the cave. No way. No. Yeah. It would be hitting uh, yeah, all so, the stalactites. Uh, so other than the the launch date, which we're, I'm so freaking relieved. That we have an actual day. I know. I it feels guys, great. But. It feels amazing. I think also just because of where the beta is at now, um, we've gotten through pretty much most of the, the major bug problems, like major sort of crash related things. And Seth also managed to cut down the RAM usage of the game by 70. So it went from 350 by about a fifth. 350 megabytes just turned into about 280, which yep. means that it should uh, run much more uh, stably on lower power devices like iPhones and yeah we were having this weird devices. thing where people on one gig devices which is like uh, uh, iPhone fives I think um, iPhone 6 not 6s but six iPad mini twos blah 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 a uh, whole bunch of whole bunch of iOS devices in particular with one gigabyte of RAM the game would run fine most of the time. Uh, but then every now and then one small thing would happen where it would like load in one extra texture page or something. And then the game would just kill itself because it was just straddling the line where it was almost using too much RAM. And then that one little thing would set it over and then it would, it would crash. Yeah. Um, and so by cut, we've cut it down by 70 megabytes, which means it should just, it should now just go. On those devices, yeah. which is what's left relief. though is is we're hoping we can still cut it down enough that we can even get it to run on 500 megabyte devices. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be pretty tricky. It's gonna be tricky. Be we like, don't know if we can do it, but it's it's one of those things. It's worth a shot because so many uh, existing iDevices are still in that range. Yeah, and, and, and cra- I mean Android devices as well. Um, though yeah. that's a much broader field of hardware. Yeah, and it's and I think it's the case though that Android devices handle RAM problems a little bit differently. Um, where so for example on my old Galaxy S3 Quadrupus Rampage which had a, I think it had a gig of RAM uh, Quadrupus Rampage would run totally fine no problem and at certain points it would kind of slow down when things got too crazy um, but on an an iOS device with the same amount of RAM when things got too crazy instead of a slowdown the game would just close so I think it's just how the the OS is kind of handle these problems differently. Um, but in, in any case, it's a problem in, in both situations. Mm. 
So, and the weird thing is that, so we didn't really anticipate the RAM usage because the last time we really thought about the RAM, the game was using about 120 megabytes, which, which is like zero. It's pretty, it's pretty low, especially for PC. My God. Um, doesn't even count, but that was before we hooked up the Crashlands creator to the game. And what we found was that all the stuff that we're loading into RAM for the story. So all the outposts that exist in the world, the bases that you see, um, all of the, uh, dialogue, the characters, the boss fights, all that stuff, the quests. That's what was using a whole bunch of RAM. So without all that stuff, the game uses like a hundred, still uses about 120, 130 megabytes. But once we load the campaign, it was using 350. So, uh, so we just need to learn how to handle those story elements much more dynamically and, and much better. So we have another patch coming, um, which will be probably toward the end of the week where we'll have even more optimizations and it'll be running smooth as butter oh yeah so that's that's where we are with the beta and once we're done with these optimizations we're going to be hitting all kinds of various quality of life things bug fixes we're still trying to squeeze some features in to the game yeah there are a few cool Uh, things left that we want to do yeah and including we for this this patch that we're about to put out for the beta um, we've added a salvaging feature where players can break down crafted items to reclaim some of the components. So I'm pretty excited to see people's response to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it'll be good. Should be fun. And next week, Adam's coming up to St. Louis. Yeah. yeah. Super it's, exciting. it's been a while. I can't remember. Why, why are time you was, doing that, Adam? Uh, good question. Maybe I shouldn't go. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> yeah. Stay away. Uh, I, I mean, I try to get up to St. Louis every, I don't know, six weeks or so. Um, this one's been a little delayed. I think the last time was in September, maybe. Because uh, we had, you know, there's holiday stuff is happening and it just gets a little harder to, to make all the various travel arrangements that have to be made. Um, but this one is going to, a lot of the focus is actually going to be on finally getting some video for the uh, the dev series thing that, that Forever and Astronaut's doing. Yeah, because currently I don't exist in any way, shape, or form except as a voice off in the distance. <laughs> we did we did Skype Adam in on video though for one of the for when we launched the beta. Oh, that's we true. Did, we had to sign a contract that said that Adam was actually an existing person and not just some sort of echoed version set the night. Yeah, which oh, yeah, we don't really ghost. we don't really know that though. That's true. Um, we haven't seen him. Yeah, yes. I, have a, I have a pretty short memory, and I haven't seen Adam in in, in a couple months now. So so I may not exist. I don't know. Who's to say? But yes, I'm going to come up to prove my existence, and and then, yeah, otherwise we'll just be we'll be working like usual. But we wanted to have a moment in between, or sort of at the end of beta before launch, where I got we all got back in the same room again for a good solid several days, just so we could power through any remaining stuff. Because it, it just happens to be a lot easier to handle design discussions and um, planning when we're all in the same place. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and otherwise, in our in our news of the week, I'm going to be giving a talk uh, on Wednesday night, which if you're listening to this podcast on podcast launch day, that's tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a talk about game balance. It's probably going to be about 40 minutes to an hour or somewhere in there. And uh, it'll be pretty, pretty informative. It's going to be at the St. Louis Science Center at seven o'clock. There'll probably be some signs up and stuff. I don't know. I don't know my way around the science center that well, but there is a giant T Rex. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, hopefully it's in front of the T Rex. That'd be amazing. <laughs> that would be, be a good place. Is for it a, a real T Rex or a? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, like even if you, so even if you can't find my talk, <laughs> it's a living T Rex. Uh, it's, it's fine. A living T Rex. 
Yeah, I think actually you could probably just hold a cup of water and then watch. You can use it basically as like a, like a, a sooner getting device, hotter, something. getting cooler device, right? Whereas you get closer to the T-Rex, it'll just vibrate more and make those little ripples. Yeah, and if you start slipping in goat blood, then you'll know you're super close. Yeah, <laughs> or if you see half of a lawyer. Close. Yeah, half of a lawyer half on a, a toilet. Lawyer. Yep. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to give him that talk. It's going to be super fun. And if it's not going to be very technical either. So even if you uh, aren't a game developer, but you just kind of are curious about how games work, uh, I would still recommend coming. And the last thing we have on our docket, Mm -hmm. which again is a real physical object that we own, uh, we have t-shirts and this is the last the last week. Ta- this is the last week that they're going to be available. They're available through the... I think the 14th. So next 14th. Monday. 14th. Yeah, Monday. And uh, I, I'm going to I'm gonna put in my personal guarantee on these shirts because these shirts are two-thirds of my wardrobe, if not 80% or more. Uh, they're super soft. Yeah, they're great. They're unbelievably soft. As you walk past people, they will give you massages just so they can, <laughs> just so they can feel your shirt. And those shirts are at bit.ly slash bscotchjorts. Or you can just go through the website and there's a little sidebar uh, ad yeah. from sitting there. So At butterscotch-shenanigans.com. We got to just just click on the t-shirt picture. Picture mm-hmm. of the t-shirt. Uh, all right. So let's just get into some questions. Yeah, I think we need to tackle sure. as many as is physically possible. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna have a quest, question getty. Question apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Question getty. getty. Like, like a Serengeti, Serengeti? Like a, <laughs> I it's like just a, huge. This <laughs> has been an open plane of questions. Uh, all right, so first question, which, oh, by the way, these questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. And if you want to get your questions on here, just head over there and ask. And if people vote for your questions, then maybe we'll answer them. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, first question comes from Ulner Evern with plus nine upvotes. Uh, he asks, are some custom smileys for the forum a part of your small post-Crashlands projects? And do you plan a forum ho- overhaul after Crashlands? I think to the first part of that question, yeah. Smileys? Uh, smileys for sure. I think I would like to, because that's the sort of thing that I I, I would like to have done, but don't necessarily want to do. <laughs> I was thinking we could actually and just have like a, a varying series of sad faces. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's actually just going to be one emoticon and it's, it's just, extremely sad. Or to fit in with the vibe of the place, only happy faces would probably <laughs> yeah. be the better move. Yeah, we so could, I, it could be like that Dr. Pain chart, but just for <laughs> right, right. extremely yeah. happy faces. There's a few things that we want. So we talked about this a little bit last time as far as uh, making making sort of more fun and cool ways to have the community kind of build itself and interact with with us and that sort of thing and, and i think doing something like having people actually generate this the emoticons that we get to use would be really fun um so we have like we an emoticon have, off yeah because we had we actually had one guy who just posted a bunch that he made just that were just kind of random that were fantastic uh so i thought but i, I mean do we want them to be butterscotch universe theme oh yeah ideally they would be yeah ideally they would be characters from our games doing different things or yeah. You know, whatever. But it'd so be like, a, like an angry Viru uh, face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they super have, happy juice box. Yeah. They would need to be pretty minimalist because they're super tiny. Um, but yeah, I mean, and if, if some fan does decide they want to make those, then we could probably hook those up pretty, 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 pretty quick. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I think know, there's a, so Adam was mentioning kind of the, the benefit of actually getting to all be in the same room together um, earlier. And we know we tend to, 
when we actually get to all hang out in the same place, we tend to we tend to dream big, you know. And I think uh, talking about forum stuff and just kind of general community hub things will probably be on the docket for for when Adam gets here as far as how to how to just best do all these things because we we don't know what we're doing at all. And so the fact that there's people who actually you know hang out most days with us on the forums or in the Discord chat or whatever else is just it's really cool. But we we want to be doing a you know a good job and and do a cooler stuff if we can so if you have any thoughts on that there's a forum there's actually an open forum post uh that just is talking about kind of what other cool things you'd like to see out of the butterscotch community other opportunities for for hanging out together as a crew and we do have one really exciting thing uh hopefully on the horizon which i can't say anything about yet uh that that might be happening we do launch time yeah have you said anything um, to me about it yeah, you know what it is. But okay. You're just not able to you know what it is, it. but you don't know what Sam's talking about. <laughs> yeah, right. But if you said, um, you would know. So uh, <laughs> I'll keep that under wraps for now. But there's like we, we want to do a lot of cool stuff. So if you have any ideas for, for things, you know, in that vein, feel free to pop in there and drop them. Drop them like they're hot because they are hot. Yeah. So keep, so don't don't touch them. Uh, all right. So next question comes from young Chris, 54. Hopefully not too young, because if you're under the age of 13, you're not <laughs> Cannot have a B-Scotch ID and should not be listening to this podcast. Gets against the law. Uh, but it says young Chris 54, so I assume he's born in Maybe he's yeah, or he's yeah, he's like an older man trying to retain aspects of his youth. He's retaining his you youth. Know? Yeah. Uh, so Chris, with nine upvotes, asks, what is the highest score in Roid Rage? Mm. Which normally wouldn't really make for a podcast question, but we haven't hooked up global leaderboards yet, so <laughs> nobody can actually check. So. Yeah, that is one of those things that I need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what is it, Adam? Uh, I don't what know. I, I put them all in that document, but I don't have it open. One of oh, you okay. guys knows uh, what they are. So, so what I see here on the docket is uh, best juice is 226. Whoa. And well, also, so for those who haven't played this game, it is super hard. Yeah, Most getting people, your first like three <laughs> takes about probably 20 minutes of it's practice. It's skewed heavily to the left. Yeah. Most people get fewer than 10. My best um, is 44. Mm. I think mine is 60-something. Yeah. Um, but with that comes with an important note, which is most of the top players have the flop rocket. Yeah. Mm. It turns out the flop rocket, people tell us, is it's a, it, you can use it very slowly, and that means that you can dodge things kind of more easily. And so, right. yeah, the so, flop rocket controls differently than everything else. And the way that you get the flop rocket in Roid Rage is by actually beating flop rocket the game. If you get to space, right. then you can use the flop rocket in Roid Rage. So the, um, the comparative power there, though, is that the, the best person is 226 with the flop rocket and the best person without a flop rocket, 101. Yeah. So that's still very impressive, though. But <laughs> it is. I gotta yeah, say, 101 is impressive. I tried to use the flop rocket and I fail utterly at it because I I don't have the patience. Yeah, same here. It's a totally different playstyle because the flop rocket you can control your thrust, but it will it doesn't slow down either unless you you know shoot your engine the other direction. So uh, it controls very differently from all the other ships in Roid Rage, and it if you use it correctly. It's a very slow, methodical kind of maneuvering around, um, which is just not my, that's not my bag. No, I'd rather do do it fast and die more frequently than slowly accumulate points. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, go down swinging, right? But yeah, uh, but I believe that the, that on the, on the server, we didn't, we didn't think anybody would get very high. That That's, and I mean, you can see the best without the flop rock is only 101, right? So 
I didn't even put like this, the integer that I'm using to store on the server can only go up to 255. <laughs> yeah, so but no the asteroid field actually gets more dense. Yeah, it gets harder and harder. Gets. So it's pretty unlikely that somebody's going to get much higher than than where it currently is. But I want to see somebody get 255. Because it's actually the integer limit on yeah. this one. If somebody gets yeah, there, I'll up the integer limit, and we can go even bigger. What I can but... do is I can patch Roid Rage so that if you hit 255 juice, then the asteroid field just gets 100% dense. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you just get enclosed by roids. <laughs> and also we have Or they start lifetime. homing after you. So lifetime juice. Uh, the two players have over 40,000 lifetime juice collected, which if the best is 226 in a given run... You know, we can assume that, uh, God, I don't know how many people, that's like, well, I mean, your, your average, your average juice collection run <laughs> is going to be like seven pieces. Yeah. That's so a, in other words, there's some people who have played hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of roid rage. Well, actually, yeah, let's just multiply rounds. this. The person with the most deaths has 6,800 deaths. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you just multiply that out, that's like, you know. Well, five, yeah, well, well you don't times. need to multiply it at that point because 6,800 deaths means 6,800 attempts. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's pretty good. That's some people are really playing. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's a good time waster kind of a game. It's a it wasn't it wasn't meant to be super deep or anything. But um, all right. So next question comes from BSB 333 with nine votes. What do you think of Activision buying Match 3 game making company King, best known for Candy Crush? For a whopping $5.9 billion. I think it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> well, there's a, follow up. there's a follow-up question. <laughs> what would you do if someone offered you a similar deal? I would think it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> it's, I mean, to me, it's just strange, right? I mean, like, so Activision's been around for a long time. Uh, you know, it, it came out of Atari, whatever, back in the late 70s or early 80s or something been around forever they have a pretty strong legacy of of good stuff they're mostly i guess they're mostly a production company now more than anything um but they, yeah. you know they've got all kinds of really cool well-known stuff and they're in their general they, like, own, uh, they blizzard. own blizzard now right yeah. i guess they've owned them for five years or so whatever it's been um, ever since blizzard's uh subscriber base for wow started dropping that's about mm-hmm. the time activision took over <laughs> right. mm-hmm. wait it's after that or at the same time it was at the same time, yeah. yeah. It's been plummeting ever since. <laughs> so probably, but anyway. So I mean, the the problem is, that, you know, Activision has become uh, it's 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 purely a company now, right? Its job is being a company. Uh, King dot com is also purely a company. Like that's their their goals are are to accumulate revenue as fast as possible. So to me, it, it totally makes sense that that it happened, but it still is very weird because I don't know. Why to exactly? Me the, to me, the price is a bit odd. Yeah. I don't quite understand the the purchase price there. The way the way I see it is that King, um, you know, when you say King is best known for Candy Crush, I would almost I would go out on a limb and say King is basically only known for Candy Crush. Uh, yeah, they have like Pet Rescue Saga, yeah, Candy Crush Soda Saga. I guess well, they've cloned Other. their own game yeah. like a hundred times. Yeah, and and their whole company model was two clone games and I, I believe before candy crush uh became popular king had well over 150 games published under their name almost all of which were pure clones of other games with just reskins so king's whole approach 
was has never been to innovate or come up with new and interesting IPs. It was just take what somebody else has done and try to make money off of it. Which also is what Activision does now. So mm-hmm. right, right. So I mean, it fits in their wheelhouse, but uh, I think. But it's it's I like th- it's now like two steps away from any form of creativity, which is kind of funny. Yeah, but but I think to me the worst part about it is so if so if it makes sense, for example, for Activision to buy Blizzard because Blizzard has this big portfolio of, of intellectual property, right? They have the StarCraft universe, the Warcraft universe, the Diablo universe, um, and they're a creative company. They're pretty good at you know coming up with new stuff. Like they have Overwatch coming out, people are really excited about that well and um, they also have a huge fan base who will buy any new thing they produce yeah and and that's because of things like battle.net yeah but so, who is so, gonna go like ooh, a new king game came out i'm gonna go buy it. yeah i mean i can guarantee you that almost nobody who plays candy crush could name the company that made it yeah um, and that's that's what i think the problem is is that king doesn't have long-term retention power from game to game mm-hmm well, Which, no, they're, they're not. They're not basing any of their stuff off their studio. It's just about buying. buying it's about Candy situation. Crush, yeah, or or any kind of deep IP or anything else. I mean, my what what people seem to think, and it seems like it makes sense, is that Activision has not been successful on mobile in terms of generating the kind of revenue that they can make on on desktop and console and other things. Well, they have now and with uh, Hearthstone. They have now with Hearthstone. They just kind of started to do it. Uh, but but so the the idea is that they want to bring in this company who is I mean and, and King is really good at making just a fuck ton of money on mobile. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I believe they made two billion dollars in twenty fourteen. Yeah, yeah, something, something enormous. Of course, they turned around and spent most of that on. They probably on spent one point nine nine billion on on advertising. Yeah. yeah, actually no, it was five hundred million. Well, like they probably I mean yeah, and then they probably spent most of it on CEO salaries, and then the rest on advertising. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's about there's about a thousand dollars left to go around between everybody else. Yeah, <laughs> what would what would you guys do if if someone offered us five point nine billion dollars for butterscotch? If somebody offered us five point nine billion dollars for butterscotch right now, I might think about it. <laughs> right because, now, because, yeah. yeah, because right now that's a terrible deal for them because. <laughs> We haven't done enough yet. Yeah, like we haven't, we haven't, the IP hasn't matured. We don't have the huge player base. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we haven't done five. We haven't done anything worth even a million dollars, or even half a million dollars, right? So if somebody came in and said, "We'll give you basically six million, six billion dollars for your company," yeah, I'd be it, like, it yep. would be in, it would be insane not to do it. But uh, but here's the here's the catch. I wouldn't then take that money and just disappear. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, let's make it. Let's make another game studio. Uh, <laughs> yep. Start a series of new we, IPs, and we could just, you know, we could just, we could keep making games, and then and we'd, we'd be able to do it still forever. We'd have infinite resources, effectively. Yeah, because the thing is, you know, and, and this is, I think, the weird part about being a tiny indie studio is, uh, it's just the three of us, right? So. Wherever we go, that's where the studio is. That's where our studio <laughs> is. So it doesn't matter what we call it or what games we're making or, or whatever. We're still going to be making fun stuff for people and we're still going to love the shit out of our fans and try to grow a community. And uh, we would just happen to have six extra billion dollars <laughs> right. at that point, which would be great. I mean, they'd really only, they'd only be able to you. buy the IP, essentially. That's that's what they yeah. would be buying. Yeah, yeah. They, would basically, they would basically be buying the, yeah, the IP that we have already made. Uh, so as long as that deal doesn't come with something like you can't make games for a year or, or something. Or you can't, you can't tell your previous fans to go elsewhere. 
right. come join yeah. our other yeah. studio. It's because I, I can guarantee you guys, as soon as we made that deal, we would send out a B Scotch ID newsletter, being like, "Hey guys, here's our new studio." Everybody names. jump ship to the <laughs> jump to the luxury liner. <laughs> <laughs> come on over to our new uh, our new studio. By the way, yeah. we have a super expensive office now because we have six million dollars <laughs> for no reason. Because so, we can. Because I guess I guess we can do that now. It would um, be pretty fantastic if that happened. Yeah, right and now. this is this is I think an interesting conversation too because you often hear about the concept of like of people selling out, right? And and that being sort of this this negative thing where like there maybe somebody has their favorite band and that band is. Uh, you know, sort of like underground and not popular and not making any money. And then a record co- a company approaches them or something. And they're like, hey, we'll give you a, a crap load of money for for publishing rights or whatever. And then all of the current fans are like, oh, no, they're selling out to the man. You know, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, they're trying like they got to they got to make a living. And if they can't, based on what they're currently doing, then, uh, you know, they got to they got to do something. Yeah. Well, I think but, there, there can also be some misconception there, too, where it's where people people will attribute it to different reasons than, than maybe actually are. So like, for example, in our case, if say we actually like the type of game we made was essentially like a strictly, extremely hardcore uh, strategy games, like really, really in depth. Like you would need a couple books in the background to look up rules and stuff to make sure that you're making the right moves. Um, and then we said internally, Oh, you know, we, we want to make a game that actually more people can play. Like we want to make a more widely sort of uh, accessible game. Yeah, then we would become and we sellouts by that. doing that. Right. So there's there's always so, these weird yeah. perceptions about these yeah. things. And I think you know we we were I was laughing today because we did we did all the big PR push for getting the the Crashlands launch poster out the door, and you know we we always have a hard time approaching sites like uh, Reddit or Imgur. Uh, we actually don't approach them anymore aside from our own little subreddit because the the general response that people have on there is to assume that you are just like the most vile person. Yeah, uh, on the planet, and so there's. It this, does this, take one to know one. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose that's fair. Um, but we, you know, we. It's just so weird because I think in that in the sellout case as well as something like like the Reddit thing, people always people have a hard time uh, remembering that that people on the other end are just people at the end of the day. I think, and I mean that's part of the reason why we do the podcast and why we try to keep uh, very close sort of ties with our actual players because we're like we're not. We have very little interest. I mean, we're, we're, yes, we do stuff to make money so that we can be alive, but we're not clearly we're not doing this for the money. Um, you know, that'd be that'd be. Well, I'm s- certainly not because I barely have any. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We don't really have any. But even I mean, even if Crashlands goes gangbusters and we suddenly actually do have some, um, you know, the game itself, from pretty much all standpoints, from production, uh, creation as far as time, the time size, the time scale, the size of the thing, the market um, is so risky. That was also a terrible idea as far as uh, as far as you know making the thing goes. So it's like we're not we're clearly not doing this for that just that reason. We need to do it also, and I think that's sometimes people fail to realize that that also part is you know it fades in and out of importance depending on what's going on. Um, but I think my my point to the to the subreddit comment was uh, one of our one of our players had, had posted about the launch and it said, oh you know this game is coming out of this two year cancer treatment thing, and the guy's response is is uh, every every story on reddit starts with a sob story yeah and i'm like yeah i saw that <laughs> i read like i'm i fucking read that you asshole the like guy what? who had the cancer uh, yeah you just you just called the last two years of my life a, a sob story a sob story as and yeah I, and as if it was to get credit on arbitrary fucking karma credit yeah on on some <laughs> random like, website just uh, well adam what I, you don't oh, know no. though is that uh 
so there's a, there's actually a kind of a secret project going on at Reddit where starting I think it's about two years from now you're going to be able to cash in your Reddit karma for breadsticks at the Olive Garden. Ooh, <laughs> so, yeah, boy, I, I thought breadsticks were already infinite at the. Olive uh, Garden. They won't be once this kicks in. Oh, you I see. Need, so it's a... You'll need Reddit karma for right. for the breadsticks. So somehow that feels appropriate. Yeah, I think it'll. I think it'll fly. It'll. It'll go pretty well. <laughs> um, so yeah, they aren't. They aren't totally useless. Uh, all right. So next up, we got Mia Kitty, number one Australia fan, Mia Kitty, with nine up votes. Do you think I use parentheses too much? Do you prefer parentheses, square brackets, braces, tuples, or double brackets more? Mm. I think it kind of depends on you know whether I mean if, whether you're dealing with an array. If you're well, here's here's what I can say about calling Seth. a function. Seth hates parentheses when he's programming. Anywhere oh, yeah. he can not put a parenthesis, <laughs> he does not put it. <laughs> I feel like it's sort of like it's you're imprisoning your code. Claustrophobia, <laughs> you know, in a bubble. You know, it wants to be free. And let it roam. Just let it. Just let it fly. Let your freak flag fly, <laughs> as they say. Uh, no, I, like, I love parens. I'm put. I just put them everywhere they could possibly get. I mean, if, well, this is actually this was a problem for me because Game Maker is where I learned to code, and in an if statement, you do not need parentheses in Game Maker. And you do need parentheses in every other programming languages, mm-hmm. except for Python. Uh, yeah, but Python at least has statements. a colon at the end of the if so that you know now you're doing the next thing. Yeah, and it indents even... all the next stuff so you know you're in the same code. Yeah, block. but also in GameMaker, you don't need semicolons at the end of your lines. Basically, you just kind of write shit. <laughs> you just kind of slap your hands on the keyboard. And game GameMaker is so loosey-goosey. So GameMaker kind of is like, oh, I can't I'll see what I can do with this. And then, <laughs> and then a game comes out. So that's oh sort of our secret sauce. I'm more of a uh, extremely complicated sentences with parentheses that then include parentheses inside of them, which are actually you know converted into square brackets. And then if we go one layer deeper, we go braces. And then one layer deeper is tuples. So. Yeah, I got to say, though, we got an article coming out on, on Polygon in a couple days, which is written by Sam. And he asked Adam and me to uh, proofread it for him. And I can attest to the tendency to use incredibly long sentences yes. with with dashes and colons I just, uh, in, you know, in place of periods. With you can't new stop the flow of my ideas. <laughs> you, can't, you can't stop it. It's the man. Just, the man's like trying a, to keep me down. Sam's sentence is like a freight train. Yeah. Once I get going, it's hard to... Runaway train never going back. Never going back. Say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Next question. Know. Little Gamer with nine upvotes. I hope he's not 13 little. You know what I'm saying? No, he's 77. Uh, he's just a very small man. <laughs> Little Gamer says, what would you guys improve about the studio if you had the money for it? This guy comes back to that $6 yeah. billion. All right, it's cool. all about so, the money today. All right, it's all about those Benjamins. Everyone's asked about Benjamins. So let's say, okay, Crashlands hits January 21st, uh, actually makes more than $12. Okay. You're what saying it does do? better than it would on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. Which we so, have only made $12 on. Just throw it. Just throw it. <laughs> this is true. Uh, what would be the first thing that you would want to have happen? Big An office. Mm. A physical place to work. Yeah. That would be nice. The yeah. worst thing. So I love gaming as a hobby, but I have been almost incapable of doing it just because of psychological reasons. Because if Because I work at my desk. Uh, in my off in my home, well, actually, it's the guest bedroom in my apartment uh, is my office, and 
when I'm done working for the day, what I have to do is go, okay, it's 7 p.m. I'm done working. Now I'm going to play a game or something. So I, I don't even move from my current location. <laughs> right. I just I just hit alt tab or something. And that's how I transition from working to playing. But it feels kind of shitty because at any moment I could tab out of my game and get back to work because I'm right there. Right. And so there's this kind of constant undercurrent of guilt that comes with relaxing when you play in the same place that you work, which I'm, I'm, it's just, it's, I'm it's over not good it. for you. I'm yeah. over it. I don't want to do it anymore. So even if we, even if our office is like a $150 a month broom closet with half a desk in it that we can just slam our laptops down on. Yeah. We don't need much, man. Most of Crashlands was made from, you know, on my side in a, in a hospital bed with an armchair. In a 10 by 10 foot room <laughs> so, yeah, on a on a uh, food tray. Yeah. A swiveling food tray. It doesn't need to be the nicest place. Just, just no, a place. No, it would be better though, if it was nice. What I want to do. If we have the money, it'd be nice. If we have the money, what I'd want to do is have the office space, but then have it attached to a little coffee shop that makes sandwiches and stuff. Then we'd be uh, like, yo. Coffee yeah, that, that, and that, that thing could also run independently, so it wouldn't just be a money sink. Um, but what we that actually do has been one of us. our one of our sort of long term goals is to well, and, and the cool thing that we want to do with the coffee shop is so Adam Adam is pretty into electronics and trying to learn about all that stuff, um, and Sam and I love doing jam games. So one thing that we were thinking about doing is start at the coffee shop. And Adam can build arcade cabinets. Yeah. And Sam and I, Sam and I can make and arcade tables. When you sit down in the place, your table will be a little arcade game. Of yes. Some sort. But here's the kicker: Sam and I can jam out small games, arcade games that will only exist on that particular table or that particular cabinet. Nowhere else in the entire world will yeah. you be able to play that game. You can sit down, have some coffee, and then flip your table across the room in rage. <laughs> yeah, the tables will be flip resistant. They'll have rubber padding. And I think we should actually build the tables so that they can be flipped. With have Have you seen that table flipping <laughs> game that they have in arcades? It's like a it's like a strength. There's like there's actually a table like a, with a hinge on it, and you have to flip it up, and it like smashes into a thing, and you get points based on how. Hard you flip the table. <laughs> it sounds amazing. Are you That's making this awesome. up? I think you're making this. No, up. it's a real, it's a real thing. Just uh, hit, head to the Googles and Google it. All right, I'll do <laughs> that right, next, after this cast. Next question comes from Spectral Underscore Hunt. What uh, would you guys ever consider buying or selling assets, shaders, audio, etc., from the game maker marketplace? Ew. No. Uh, maybe, well, I don't know. No, here's not. here's why no. Does anybody okay. buy things on the market? Well, there's that, but here's the more important. <laughs> here's the more important why no, because we've had similar questions about stuff like, would we ever consider op- opening up Bscotch ID to other developers? Uh, you know, any any kind of things that we're creating. You know, what a, what about finding a way to share those with others, whether for profit or not? In either case, what we end up doing is basically creating another, yet one more thing that we have to maintain. Mm-hmm. and that we have to make sure it works and that we have to provide support for, et cetera. Because even if yeah. we say, hey, we're not going to provide support for this, this is just as is, we're still going to get lots of emails from people who are using it, asking us about stuff, which normally, I mean, which is fine. We like, you know, responding to that kind of thing. But we don't have time to take all of the other things that we're doing and then also support and maintain 
and you know cultivate a community for those things. We still it's, want to make the games. Yeah, we need to make the games. I mean, it's already hard enough to to manage publishing a single game on a bunch of platforms, but it's made way more difficult because anytime we make an update to something like Bscotch ID, for example, or make a new game so that we want to have some cool cross-game stuff that, that occurs, and we have to go back and update every game and update them for every platform. Mm-hmm. So it's already the case that if we like when we want to go maintain our just just our games, it takes, you know, oh, it takes days to a few weeks to basically kind of reassemble everything and update everything. Remember how the code works. Well, it's, get it's all that stuff right pushed now between out. Our, just between our four games, which are only on two stores, it's eight functional builds that we have to make. Yeah. So it's that all have to be tested. We have to make sure that they all work. Uh, we get, you know, separate support issues for, for all of them. And then now with Crashlands, we're going to have, this one's going to be on three platforms. So four. Well, four operating systems. Four operating systems, right. So that, yeah, that brings it up to 12 now. Yeah. So it uh, well, gets maybe pretty, gets Maybe the deep. first thing I would do if we had, you know, $5.9 billion is just hire like one or two people to just do that. Yeah. Well, we, and we've talked about that in the in past pa- podcasts as well. I do think also, I mean, there's a weird thing about that though, because I think all of us enjoy making the game so much that I, I would feel bad paying someone money to maintain our stuff. Cause I'm like, you don't, we don't want to do this. But you know, if you pay someone well enough, it's fine. Yeah. We'll just pay them well. <laughs> Assuming we have the resources. Yeah. If somebody had a, like just a really great salary with benefits to just maintain some Well, games, plus we don't need, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll not, do that. Not a terrible job. Yeah. Uh, but we don't need, it's going to be a while before we need somebody whose full time and only job it is to maintain existing games. Mm, that's true. And so I, I do think so. We're, we built, I mean, we built a ton of really cool tools for, uh, I mean, for Crash in particular, like the creator. Uh, the creator, I mean, I'll, I'll view that as our sort of, as far as you know, buying or selling assets go, uh, since we plan on turning that over to the community after launch at some point. Um, that, that's kind of the thing in my mind that falls in that. I'm more interested in, in those sorts of, of things where we can get to build stuff that other people get to use, not necessarily, not in particular, just like game maker related. Yeah, but, but it supports our games in that. Yeah, but, things but that's, still, that's part of our games, universe. I mean, right, but I mean, yeah. even even like the thing that uh, that Rami made for from Vlambeer, which is the like the do press kit and that sort of thing, where I, mean, I think those are really, really fun and really cool ways to give back to the community. I think we have to be, we just have to be very careful for where we're at because we haven't had any we don't have any uh, sustainable success right now. So until we get that, it's those things. Unfortunately, we we can't. Uh, we kind of yeah, we don't to have enough to give back. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think another sort of just to jump on that as well. Um, most of the stuff that we would offer. So for example, if we were like, oh, we're gonna make Bscotch ID open to other developers. There's basically two types of developers. There's big studios where if they wanted to do something like Bscotch ID, they just could. Yeah, and then there's tiny studios or midsize or you know small indie studios where if they wanted to do be something like Bscotch ID, it wouldn't matter because they don't have the money for it. Yeah. So if we wanted to sell that service, we don't have an. There's nobody there's to no buy audience. it. <laughs> yeah, we would have a pretty hard time. And it's way that. too costly for us to maintain it for lots of other people as well. Yeah. Tricky, um, tricky, next tricky. question comes from Older Everin with eight upvotes. Is Sam training on the face drawing? If yeah. yes, how is it going? And if no, will we ever see faces? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us all about it, Sam. Okay, well, okay. We need some backstory. Yeah, let's fill this. So, uh, again, I'm really bad at art. I did, maybe, maybe you can't. Well, that, that is inaccurate right now. Well, let me just. Sam let, is bad at some art. Yeah. Uh, I'm still bad at art. I'm just going to say it. And you maybe can't tell 
no. But um, doesn't that I, mean you're not though? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. So I don't know where the where I'm at with this stuff. But uh, when it comes, Sounds like you to, got imposter syndrome, buddy. When it comes to drawing things, that's probably true. But when it comes to drawing things, uh, I do have a very hard time with with faces in particular, with with arms. Arms are very hard. Generally, things that need to be in correct proportions in order to look like the appropriate thing, uh, which is most human body sort of situations, I have a very hard time with. Uh, Flux probably took, I don't even know. I mean, she went through, I think, like five or five to eight character revisions before she was actually done over the course of about six months. Um, Just every so often when I had gotten a little bit better at drawing stuff, I would have to come back and, and make her look less terrible. And still, like, I mean, she's kind of, you know, she's a little stiff feeling my opinion um because, because I, she doesn't have knees or elbows well, yeah, yeah, yeah it's mostly a, a um, number of parts problem yeah and well the, the tricky thing though is that i don't uh when it comes to drawing those things i've avoided drawing faces in particular until the crashlands npcs which i think turned out pretty good as far as their faces yeah. um and the, the reason is that I avoid drawing the things that I just can't draw because I just find other ways around them. So, well, because you're a, you're a person and people avoid doing things they're not good at yet. Well, I think also, well, it's also that I need to, you know, if I need to get a character done, then it's irrelevant. Yeah, so it's gotta I just get need done to get it done fast. Yeah. So that's, that's my focus. It's less about avoiding the thing that I can't do and more about getting it done in whatever way possible, which in most cases just involves circumventing the definition of what an arm is. For example, to turn, <laughs> to make it into a banana, which is actually the first one of the first characters I drew for Talfight of the Gods, which is the precursor to Talfight Two. Um, the guy has bananas for arms because I just couldn't. I, it took me forty five minutes, and I was struggling on an arm in a forty eight hour game jam. And Seth just looked over and he was like, "Dude, you know, it's a banana. Just it's okay. Embrace it." it. <laughs> which well, I, all think, of I the... think comes into an important early game dev lesson where if you're just getting started. Uh, if you really just can't do a thing, then maybe you just don't need to do. Well, not that. I mean, not <laughs> even that. Like, not even to that extreme. We've been joking about this with our testers uh, lately because they keep on asking us questions about whether whether certain things in the game are behaving as intended or if it's a bug, right? And it'll be things like, "Oh, I killed this creature and it dropped three beaks or whatever," right? And and you can see one beak when it attacks you. And our response was, "Well, they have more beaks on their backs." <laughs> Which you because never you never see their backs, <laughs> and so so the you know the joke is that we use lore as a way to explain away either bugs, bugs or inconsistencies <laughs> in what we're doing or just things that we didn't want to code because it's actually a pain in the ass to code things like you could only drop one beak sometimes. Also, I mean it's a game, so you know as long as it's not too gamey, then nobody actually cares. You know? Well, and also you're fighting aliens, like you kill a womp and it drops six hearts, and it's like. Wow, that was a great that was a great jackpot. I got a yeah, it was a lot time. of loot, right? Yeah. Uh, so, and we also had a great bug where uh, there's these creatures in Crashlands called Zugs. They're kind of these bouncy turtle-like things, and their heads animate separately from their bodies, so their heads kind of lag behind a little bit. And on people who were getting super low frame rates on you know older Android devices uh, at certain times, the Zugs heads would not calculate properly because of the lag, <laughs> and their heads would just kind of like come off <laughs> and just kind of be like just floating be somewhere else floating around or bouncing around and so they were asking about it and i did fix the bug but in the meantime i was just like well here's the thing about zugs is zugs are actually two separate animals one of which is only a body and the other of which <laughs> is only a head 
And they just have a symbiotic relationship where they use the power of teamwork and friendship to overcome life's obstacles. Mm. And that's so. that's now canon. And we can make yeah. a game out of that at some point if we wanted to. Yeah, which is yep. nice. absolutely. It would be so a co-op we, game, obviously. So yeah, I guess to directly answer the question, uh, I haven't been working on faces, but because I had to draw some for the the uh, three races in the game, there's but for, there's five different uh, sort of faces for each race. So there's about 15 faces that I've actually drawn now. Uh, you know, not counting Hugo's face or a few other people. So I think I figured I figured out some ways to get around my various pitfalls. Um, and if maybe, you can't figure it out, just throw a beard on it. Yep, that covers that takes care of most of it. Covered right up. Yeah. All right. Next question. Also for Sam. Sam, Mister Mister Popular Guy. Oh yeah, we comes from Gafferman. Sam. Hey. What books did you escape into during mm. your hospitalization slash vacation? Mm. Uh, for Adam and me, just do we have any favorite books? <laughs> uh, well, I'll hit mine first, I guess. Yeah, do it. Um, so I think that the best book that I read, I'll just do that. The best book that I read going through all this stuff uh, was Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And Frankl was this crazy cool dude who is a uh, psychologist who happened to be a guy who was put through the Holocaust internment camps and lived. And it's not a story about the crazy shit that he went through. I mean, though, I mean, it's obviously there. It's actually he he decided when he was in there as a psychologist that it was his job to uh, essentially watch everybody and see how it was that people dealt with that situation from the inside. So he was also again he was a prisoner. He wasn't he wasn't one of the Nazi dudes who was watching the camp. He was going through it, um, and it was that was one of the most enlightening books, and especially given the given the timing uh, of me finding that and then reading it was very, was very poignant. So I would mm. 100% recommend it. Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Hmm. And if you want just a straight up fantasy book that's so good, uh, The Kingslayer Chronicles, I think is what it's called. The Name of the Wind is the first book in it. Uh, the third book still hasn't come out over after like 20 years. Supposedly the guy's working on it. He better be. Um, but The Name of the Wind is a phenomenal entry into a fantasy universe that is freaking sweet. Those are my mm. two recommendations. Adam? For me, so I, I'm into sci-fi stuff. So I, I read basically two yeah. kinds of books. I read sci-fi uh, and and information-dense things, um, meaning like literally I'll, I'll read a book on a programming language, for example, uh, or the history of a thing or, or whatever. And then otherwise, almost everything I read is, is basically sci-fi. So I would say my favorite things are sci-fi fantasy, but on the sci-fi side. So my favorite things are series or or kind of or I guess author collections, and that would include uh, the Dark Tower series, ooh, by Stephen King, which is just fucking fabulous. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's I I almost never reread or rewatch things, but that series is is one of the few exceptions. Then there is Neil Stevenson, who just has a whole bunch of really awesome, you know, deep nerdy great stuff. Dirty. What is that? What I said? <laughs> Great. He just goes it's by a D- hybrid of oh, gotcha, dirty, 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 dirty stuff. Uh, I'm not sure what my favorite one there is. Probably I'm gonna go with Cryptonomicon. Probably, although the newest or one of the newer ones, um, Seven Eves, is also really, really quite impressive. As now, Adam, you recommended that I read Reem D. Yeah, Reem D is by Neil awesome. Stevenson. 
Yeah. Which I have on my nightstand, but I've been so oh my god, god damn oh, no, actually, busy working on Crashlands. Yeah, I haven't right. read anything. Actually, no, no, it's that was so Cryptonomicon, although it's awesome, is not my favorite. It's Anathem is definitely my favorite Neil Stevenson mm. book. Where he sets up an alternate universe that's basically where math where math is like a religion, sort of. Uh isn't it's it though? Really good. Uh Reem D is, is great. It's it's like a it's set sort of current day, uh, where the focus is around and a lot of the a lot of the thing takes place in an MMO. So it's kind of an interesting, an yeah. interesting book. Uh, but yes, and there's that guy. Then the last one is who I'd only recently even knew existed is E. I don't know how to say his name. I a I N Ian or Ian or whatever. Ian M banks, who oh, I think yeah. just died recently. Uh, but he has these really cool, <laughs> he has these really, really cool. Oh, books. Poor guy. So sad. Well, uh, actually not. I mean, he's, he can't, he's, you know, he's gone. So. Yeah. So it's yeah. just, just that's what it is. Just is what it is. Uh, but he has uh, this, this. Uh, he has a lot. Of, he has a lot of different stuff. But he's well known in the sci-fi world for the Culture series, which is sort of this university set up that has a whole bunch of books in it um, that are just. It's a different. It's a kind of a different take on sci-fi than than the vast majority of others. And so it's so it's very fun. Um, the the kind of the it's it's still a lot about war and and stuff, but it's kind of the opposing forces are basically a utopia versus other things and unlike other books where it's usually a dystopia or a utopia that turns out to not be a dystopia it really is like a utopia versus other things and so it's, it's this very interesting thing mm. that gets set up so those okay. are my those are the things that i that you jam that i like the jam most. on yeah all right so i'm gonna throw out uh two sci-fi and one fantasy so sci-fi uh encounter with tiber oh yeah by, by buzz aldrin this motherfucker went to the moon Okay, so you should read his sci-fi book because, <laughs> come on, he went to the moon. Uh, it's it's hard sci-fi though, so yeah, it's he likes to go in. He, you could tell he's just super pumped about science, so he goes into a lot of technical detail about how everything works and whatever. But it's a great story. So that's Encounter with Tiber. Uh, if you're into sci-fi but don't want anything hard, then I would recommend the Star Force series which is kind of like reading that series is kind of like watching an, an 80s action movie <laughs> my laptop oh god no i didn't make it say <laughs> <laughs> what, what is happening over there we're, we're apparently experiencing oh his probably his laptop was dying so he probably uh was, to, his battery's going out. his battery's his laptop battery lasts for like one hour on the dot ah, so, so if we don't one keep podcast our, length which we're at 59 minutes okay we just hit one hour on the podcast. So. <laughs> Sorry, uh, yeah. my, uh, my battery was dying. I knew it. <laughs> Did you hear me sprint out of the room? <laughs> we, no, just, we just heard you come back making weird racket oh, okay. noises. It's all good. Yeah, you were surprisingly stealthy about it. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so Star Force series by B.V. Larson. It's super cheesy. Uh, it's sort of like military sci-fi almost. But it's from the perspective of a guy who's a computer programmer who ends up leading the human race in a fight against robots. And because he's a great computer scientist and programmer, he's just really a very good military strategist against robots because he knows how they think. Uh, so it's a pretty good, pretty good series. And then uh, Fantasy, I would recommend the Codex Alera mm -hmm. series, which was recommended to me by Sam. So I good. Think. So good. Uh, I've, I read it. I think I've read through it twice. It's a six book series and each book is, is fat. And my wife, I think has read the whole series four times. 
so it's it is just effing solid. I'm not going to reveal anything about it other than just you should trust me and read the shit out of it. <laughs> so that's called Codex Alera. And what's the first one? Uh, I have no idea. Fury Furies of Calderon. That's the first one. Nice. Uh, yeah, so those are our book book wrecks. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I will say for any for anyone who thinks they want to who hasn't taken on the book Anthem by which I mentioned a moment ago, I have one piece of advice when you do, which is that he literally creates an alternate universe, including like an entire glossary of terms you need to know. I'd suggest spending a night and just reading those terms first. Otherwise, it's really hard to read the book. <laughs> I don't have to study before I read a book Dude. for fun. Now, when you read this book, you're gonna need you're gonna need to go through the tutorial. It's, to- it's exactly right. <laughs> think of it as a tutorial. Or you could switch it to easy mode. There's no, there's a, no easy there's a mode. setting at the beginning. There's no easy mode in Neil Stevenson books. All right. Well, that's all the time we got for a coffee with butterscotch. So thanks everybody for listening. And uh, once again, this is the last week for our t-shirts over at bit.ly slash bscotchjorts. Or just go to butterscotch-shenanigans.com and click on the shirts link. And uh, we'll probably be doing another run of shirts in a few months. But if you want yours in time for, you know, to impress Santa Claus, mm-hmm. now's the time. Yeah. Uh, and otherwise, if you want to get questions on next week's podcast, just head over to podcast.bscotch.net and ask away. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.